Sorry about the gap. You probably thought there was an ad coming on or something, did you? <laughs> Excuse me, I'm slow at this. I won't, uh, won't. Here we go. We're all set. Yes, it is a little different today. Um, we we want to track um, the course of our discussion through the early part of Acts. We're not going to go into in the, the depth so that when we come to do Acts um, a little bit later, we, we, um, we've already done it. But we're going to sort of jump a little bit through Acts, and, and Bob's going to read as we go. So thanks very much, Bob. Um, I'll tell you where we are, and we'll give you, we're going to give you a, a little bit of a gap to look it up. So it's going to depend on how quick you are. <laughs> um, we can't wait for too long. Otherwise, you might think there's another ad coming up. So, but let me pray first of all. So it's a little different, but hopefully, please tell us if this is helpful, uh, doing it this particular way. Let's pray first. Dear Lord, we just, um, we just thank you for your word. We open, pray that you would open our hearts and our minds and that you may lay your word upon us this morning. For Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, we've been looking at the letter of the Hebrews in recent days. Uh, that's not telling you anything, of course. <laughs> um, and there's, the aim for that has been that we might um, open up uh, and display the, the magnificence of Jesus' identity, fully man fully God, and build up around that, that wonderful picture of the reality of who he is. We've also wanted to promote the depth and perfectness of his character. Because in looking at Jesus' character, we can then see what he's going to make of us uh, in the right time. So that's really important as well. And we also, thirdly, wanted you to be absolutely sure of how completely... Jesus has won our salvation and given us a fresh start with God. So hopefully um, that has been the case and you've been refreshed and spurred on anew as you've had a good look at who Jesus is again. And all of that magnificence he brings to us in another role that he heads up and that is as God's master builder. Now I know there's a couple of builders in the congregation we had a bit of building done this week, uh, a couple of weeks ago in our kitchen. Little team of three, they came and did it and left. They were very quick and efficient. Um, we're going to see Jesus as the master builder in the coming Acts series again, so we won't spend a time directing that. But we will get there uh, an amazing picture of how Jesus builds his church, and I'm really looking forward to that. Like many builders, he has a very clear vision of where he's headed. Not only that, but because he's the master builder, he can see what it's going to be like in the end. He can see what we're going to be like when he's finished with us. He can see the process of St Stephen's Church in the coming history of how it's going to develop and grow. He knows who your new minister is. Now, that's not a bad start, is it? <laughs> and he'll bring him here and he will um, encourage you as you work together. Uh, and this sermon, I think, is really important uh, in that respect. We know that the vision that Jesus sees delights him and it motivates him to keep building us towards that end. So he's the master builder. And we, we have been given a role on his building team. Now, that's not theory. And it's not just a theological statement. It's present, practical reality. We are each one, if we've come to know and love the Lord Jesus by faith, 
we have been placed on his building team. So welcome team. We are on his team. In case you don't regard yourself as a member of his building team, let me assure you Jesus does regard you as a member of his team. He does see you that way. And not only that, he's equipped each of us towards that end. He's thoroughly committed himself to training each of us so we might become more and more effective on the team. So if that's true, then surely you and I can't be any less committed to one another in building one another up than he is to us. One motivates the other. There's a really clear accent on mutual upbuilding in the New Testament. I've just picked out a couple of verses um, that you might know. But these verses come in at a time when in the general community, basically, people are um, individualistic and basically are pleasing themselves in what they do. We've got a very different goal. We've been given this goal by Jesus. This is Romans 14, 19, where Paul says... We must pursue what promotes peace and what builds one another up. Several instances in the Hebrews series, you, you may remember, talked about building one another up and meeting to do that on a regular basis. 1 Corinthians 14, Paul says, strive to excel in building the church. To be your, your motivation and my motivation in coming together as God's people is to build one another up. And our goal today is to observe just what Jesus can do with uh, a person who sees this vision, who captures the vision, this vision for growth, who owns it personally um, and understands the strength Jesus has given them and then makes themselves available. Available as the opportunities come so that they can build God's church. We want to watch one particular person today. And to help us own that vision, I want to introduce my hero. I don't know who your hero is in the scriptures. My hero is Barnabas. Barnabas. We will see him later in Acts as well. Of all the, the what we might call the high-impact Christian ministries we can exercise towards, the other, uh, towards each other, the, the ability to encourage is one of those um, biggies, if I could put it that way. It's one of the big ministries, the ability to encourage one another. We know what it's like to be discouraged, Hopefully, if you've come discouraged today, being together and listening to the word of God will, will encourage you. We also know how great it is to be encouraged uh, when somebody says something or does something. They may not even know, but it has a, quite a profound effect on us. And Luke highlights Barnabas' encouragement again and again and again through the early part of Acts, Acts 1-15. to um, he, We see him... Um, exercising his ministry to great effect. So I want to trace what is an incredibly fruitful ministry. I want to trace that through as somebody who could discern the word of God, who could discern the grace of God at work in other people, and who learned to enable people and to enable ministry. Okay, so that's where we're going. Um, very first picture we have of Barnabas um, is um, in, in chapter 4, verse 32, which talks about, I'm not going to read that bit, but he talks about the early Christian community, um, those who had plenty and those who were in need. And Barnabas is described there as um, the son of encouragement. No, no, none 
less than the apostles, give him that nickname, son of encouragement, which straight away tells us what he must have been like in the early days. He's probably a new Christian. He, he may well have been converted on the day of Pentecost um, because there were people from Cyprus there and Barnabas was a, a Cyprian um, and he, he may well have been there. So he's not a, an old Christian. He's not a strongly... He hasn't been a Christian for years and years and years. He's fairly new as a Christian. He's described as a good man. He's described as an apostle by Paul and Luke. And he works for nothing. He does what Paul does. He, he makes tents and things like that uh, and doesn't charge the course of his ministry at all. And the very first picture we get of him is, is him demonstrating the generous care that he has by selling a field and bringing the money and laying it at the feet of the apostles. Uh, the reason for that was there were many in the early Christian community um, that were needy and uh, this money needed to be allocated for their support. So here he is even at the very early days motivated to generosity and encouragement and that's just typical of the ministry that opens up as opportunities are given to him to serve Jesus. So let's look at a couple of those opportunities and the first one you will find in Acts chapter 9, here's your chance to view quick, Acts 9, 26 to 28. When he came to Jerusalem, to, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. So Barnabas is introduced to this with a bang. None other than Paul had been converted. But remember previously, this is what was said of him in the early days. He, firstly, he was, he was consenting to Stephen's death, if you remember. He held the clothes of the people who were throwing the rocks. He consented to Stephen's death. And after that, he's described this way. Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off men and women and he put them in prison. He breathed out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. So um, when Paul was confronted by Jesus and converted on the road to Damascus, it was such a, a spectacular turnaround that um, none of the Christian community uh, could see that it was genuine. They wanted to keep away from him. Uh, very few trusted him and, and nobody approached him. Um, even after Paul, having been converted, preached the gospel for three years, they still uh, were too scared to have him uh, come and be part of what they were doing. After three, three years, Barnabas brought Saul to the apostles. He actually went, no doubt he sat down, we're not told, with educated guesses. He sat down with, with Paul and, and he, he asked him questions and he, he gauged from his discussion with Paul that Paul was genuine, that he was genuinely converted and he was now um, pro-Jesus, not anti-Jesus. And therefore, he, the word says he brought 
him to the apostles and effectively in a pictorial image he grabbed his hand and he, and he led him to the apostles by, by his hand. So um, if he hadn't done it, who would have done it, do you think? Maybe somebody else would have done it. In, in God's purposes, he, he would have led somebody, but Barnabas did it. Barnabas took um, courage, he took a chance, he, he came with Paul and he introduced him to the apostles and enabled what we now know is a magnificent ministry through whom hundreds, if not thousands of people came to know and to love Jesus. That's not a bad start. Our second passage is Acts 11, starting at verse 19. Now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed travelled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus and Antioch, spreading the word only among Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. Uh, when Stephen was stoned to death, a lot of Christians in Jerusalem had to get out quickly because this incredible persecution broke out. And as they travelled, they shared their faith with people. Um, most of them, or many of them, talked to Jewish people because they believed that was what they were supposed to do. But there were others who spoke to non-Greeks, to Gentiles, and the scriptures say with a result that a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. And in Antioch, a whole new church was born. Um, the church in Jerusalem heard about it, the apostles, and in assessing how best to encourage this church, they looked for a leader who would get behind them and who would... And st well. Can you get behind someone and stand with them at the same time? I think theologically you can. <laughs> so I'm going to work on that. Uh, and they said, Barnabas is the man. So they recognised the qualities of Barnabas and that he was just the man to go and to take this brand new church with lots of new Christians and uh, build them into a solid unit. And so they sent Barnabas. And that's exactly what he did. Um, when he went... Um, he encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. So there's Barnabas at work again. He's given this opportunity by Jesus. He takes the opportunity, he makes himself available and he, he encourages, he uses the gifts that God has given him. But that wasn't the end. Now, um, he, he took Saul after Saul had been a Christian for three years. He, took, he brought them to, him to the apostles, do you remember? 
Uh, and Paul preached with such force that um, he, he, he was opposed greatly, he had to escape. So he went back to Tarsus and he was there for probably eight or nine years. And now all this is happening at Antioch. And Barnabas is thinking, I know the man who would be just right for this mission, Paul. And so he, t- he takes off, it's a, quite a long way, he takes off to Tarsus. He hasn't got his um, phone with his, you know, his direction thing on it. He hasn't even got an address. He's just looking for Paul who's in Tarsus somewhere. <laughs> and, he, and the scriptures say he, he looked and he, looked, he just kept looking until he found him. That's how strongly motivated he was. And he found Paul and he convinced Paul to come back to, with him uh, to Antioch. And then for 12 months they worked together as a team. Of course, their team went longer than that. But in Antioch, 12 months. And um, it must have been a wonderful, wonderful time for both of them to be working together that way. Um, all the time he was mentoring Paul, encouraging Paul, helping Paul to use the gifts, these incredible gifts God had given him. Uh, and as he did, he saw Paul blossoming and flowering in his ministry and in his ability to argue the gospel and convict people, convince people with the work of the Holy Spirit. Our third passage comes from Acts 13, verse 44. And I just realised that you've, you've got a cheat sheet up here. On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. When the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy. They began to contradict what Paul was saying and heaped abuse on him. Then Paul and Barnabas answered them boldly, We had to speak the word of God to you first. Since you reject it and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life, we now turn to the Gentiles. Well, um, God had set Paul and Barnabas aside for a special work and the church at Jerusalem now, at Antioch, sorry, now recognises that and says, well, in that case, we, we better commission them and send them out. And they sent them out on what we now know is their first missionary journey. And that was going to involve travelling quite big distances and as, as they went, establishing churches as they go, which, which is just what they did. Um, when they started their ministry, they straight away rejected and abused by the Jews, not by others, but certainly by the Jews. And so they make this momentous decision to go to the Gentiles, they didn't just go to the Gentiles because they also preached in synagogues after that and that sort of thing, but they certainly looked for Gentiles, Greeks, and preached to them. And they started many churches. Many Gentiles became Christians. The thing I want to point out to you at this point is you notice something changing in Luke's account. Whereas up to this point, Luke has been talking all the time about Barnabas and Paul, from this point on, he starts talking about Paul and Barnabas. You say, so? (laughs) Well, I think it's really significant. Educational guess, but I think I'm on the right track. Um, Barnabas, good old Barnabas, (laughs) as he's watched Paul minister uh, in Antioch, has recognised the power of Paul's ministry and that his ministry has become uh, such that he ought to lead the team. 
And so Barnabas has stepped back and Paul has stepped up. You see what's happened? Barnabas has um, uh, enough um, humility and wisdom to, to think to himself, what's most important, that I stay as leader because so that I get the kudos or that the, the um, kingdom of God is given its best opportunity, which is that Paul be leader. I'll step back and Paul can be leader. He's taught Paul, he's nurtured Paul, he's seen those gifts develop and now it's time for Paul to be leader. He had the ability to recognise that was the case. And he knew that encouragement, genuine encouragement, was not just a, war, a warm smile and, and welcome at church, which is very important. It went far beyond that. It was being prepared to accept whatever was best to build up the churches. And he recognised and he did it. That brings us to Acts 15. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them, but Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus. So they'd been working in Antioch for a long time. They kept thinking, no doubt, about the churches that they had established on, their, on, the, uh, sorry, uh, um, uh, on the way from Antioch. Um, and now they wanted to go back and just see how they're all going and encourage them further. They both felt the same way. And so in getting organised, Barnabas said to Paul, let's get Mark and bring him with us as part of the team. And Paul said no. Uh, Luke uses a very strong word to describe um, how Mark left. He said that he deserted them. Um, and Paul felt that he could not have confidence in Mark the same way as he initially had had. Barnabas, however, good old Barnabas, he saw potential in Mark and he, he wanted to give Mark a, a, a second go and work with him further because he believed that in doing that, Mark would step up to become a strong, exercise a strong ministry. So what happened was, um, I'm not sure whether we're meant to think that they were angry with each other. They just had a strong disagreement about the way forward. Paul went off with Silas and Barnabas went off with Mark um, and travelled uh, doing similar things on the way back to where they'd started. Now, we don't hear anything about Barnabas after that, after chapter 15. But there's something really interesting. We do see the effect Barnabas had on Mark through the words of um, Paul. Later on, this is a few years later, we, we, in, in Timothy, we, we see uh, Paul writing this. <coughs> Only Luke is with me. Bring Mark with you, for he is useful to me in the ministry. And then in, at the end of Colossians, he says, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you, as does Mark, Barnabas's cousin, if he comes to you, welcome him. And it seems to me that we see Barnabas written all over that. 
um, and the effect he'd had upon his um, cousin Mark. The other thing, of course, is if this is the same Mark that wrote Mark's Gospel, how many people have been influenced in their Christian life and walk by the Gospel of Mark? Um, you can see the profound effect that, that Barnabas's encouragement uh, still has on you and me uh, today. Well, okay, what do we do with all this? Now, I wouldn't be surprised if some of you are thinking to yourself, but I'm not a, I'm not a Barnabas. I don't have his capacity. Um, I find what he did impressive and commendable, but I also find it pretty daunting. And that's fair enough. That's fair enough. But don't, don't forget, the details of how Jesus works with you or me will be different to the way he worked with Barnabas. It's the principle that Jesus is laying down here that's important, not the detail. The principle is this, just don't miss his call to be a builder. Don't miss it. At the same time, don't forget too that he always emboldens those on his building team through his Holy Spirit and he trains them because he's the master builder. The principle is, I'll just, just, just say it again in two parts, Barnabas made it his deliberate aim to build up God's people by encouraging them in whatever way opportunity presented itself to do. Whether it was in his words or whether it was in his care, practical care, he encouraged people to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. That's the principle. That's for us to emulate. And the second part of the principle is this. He made himself available to God's leading. That's, that's for us to emulate. So he was a builder by encouragement in his day. You and I are to be builders by encouragement in our day. Um, if you've not seen your role amongst God's people this way, it's time you did see it that way. Um, we have a little um, pillow at home. It says, the Ten Commandments are not multiple choice. <laughs> <laughs> and neither is this. If you're a Christian, you're on the team. You're a team builder. And Jesus is the master builder and we need to work with him. How are you going to do this? Well, just a couple of suggestions. Yes, Jesus knows our individual age differences. He's very well aware of that. He knows our different circumstances. He knows our particular limitations and strengths. He will give opportunity that is matched to our particular context. You could start with how you prepare to come to church or to connect group or similar groups during the course of the week. Do you come to those groups looking for an opportunity to encourage those who will be there? Because if you do, an opportunity will present itself. If you don't, you won't be looking for it. It'll be gone. If you come with that mindset... God will present you with opportunities. You have strengths. You have resources. Make them available where you can see it will forward our ministry together. In August, uh, the staff are running several training opportunities. For instance, how to lead a church service. Um, how to read the Bible better and better in church. 
how to develop sound management and work at, work a desk or something like that. How to develop our ability to welcome newcomers well. Not just the smiley face, which is a great start, but taking them beyond that to integrate them into the congregation so that they stay and become part of what we are. You could join in one of these and then you could use what you learn to help us all. There's no shortage of ways. All you've got to do is ask God, what has he got for you? Can I just end by saying this? Final comment. Thank you to those who are already keen builders in this church. I've been here nearly three months. I've met several of you. We can see the fruitfulness of your work and we thank God for you. Let's be stimulated, all of us today, in thinking about ourselves as builders. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this wonderful um, responsibility and this wonderful opportunity and privilege. We pray that you would help us to reflect seriously about what you want us to do as builders on your team. We ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen.